0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lawyers in the Making podcast. I'm your host, as always, Nate Crespo, and today we have another extraordinary guest. She is a Boston College Law School graduate and the founder of Writing Law Tutors. She has held past positions as counsel of Reed Smith, LLP, and a special employment law counsel at Procure Rose, LLP super excited to have her on the podcast today mrs. Amanda Haverstick, welcome to the podcast how are we doing today I'm
1: great you pronounced my last name correctly which no one does but I will correct you that it's Proskauer. Pros- and it's very hard to know how to pronounce it so once you learn it though you'll you'll know it and it's a big New York City firm and so it's good for you to know because you're in New York
0: yeah I, I I've actually I've actually seen it before for a class, we had to do like a mock uh, interview for for a job. And I actually applied to them to be a, uh, I think it was, um, I forget the name of the position, but you basically just file papers. Um, so I did it in it. I interviewed for them. Not really. Um, but Amanda, before we get started, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Um, let's see. I was a lawyer for 20 years and then I stopped in 2016 and I took a couple years off when my daughters were in high school and then during the pandemic I started tutoring and then I started my company and so that's kind of that's a little bit about who who I am there other than that I live in a suburb of Philadelphia um, with my husband who is also a lawyer and three daughters so including a law student so
0: well that's wonderful i'm ha- i'm happy to see the family is following the lineage there
1: it's it's pretty thick cuz my dad too so we we got a lot of lawyers
0: <laughs> everyone has to be a lawyer see my family's a little bit the opposite i only have like two or three lawyers so i'm like the first first one to get into the field here but let's go all the way back to the wonderful year of 1991 you were at the prestigious Harvard University, congratulations on that. I know it was a long time ago, but that's a wonderful Ooh. thing you went to Harvard. And you majored in East Asian Studies. And eventually, you ended up at Boston Law School two years later in 1993. So what was what went into the decision to go to law school? What was the factors? Why did you go? Oh, I
1: labored over this decision so much that I made myself sick because I could not, well, first of all, I was a paralegal for two years in between, so I thought that would buy me time to decide, and it would also help me understand if I wanted to go to law school, And, um, but I thought I wanted to be a teacher, and I really wanted to go get my master's and teach, but then again, I really wanted to be a lawyer, and so I just could not decide. And it's kind of embarrassing how I came down to the decision.
0: How'd you do? But you
1: have to remember that this was 1991. And times were different. And I decided I, you know, what I really wanted to do was stay home someday with my kids and that I was more likely to meet a husband in law school who would allow that than a teacher. And that's terrible, but that's the truth. I also thought I would, there would be more potential husbands at law school than at teaching, which at the time was a predominantly female uh, industry.
0: I mean, listen, I appreciate the raw honesty, but any any rationale is a good rationale. And, and, you know, as your career went on, I'm sure you did not regret that decision, even if you were just looking for a husband.
1: Well, it's no, but it's sort of funny because now I'm a teacher. So I mean, I'm a tutor and a coach, but it's really a, being a teacher. So I feel I think the other reason was that I thought if I'm going to if I want to someday do both. It's much more likely if I go to law school that I could teach afterwards. But if I'm a teacher, the idea of going back to law school seems prohibitive at some distant future age. So I decided I better do the law school first.
0: Yeah, it it seems and we'll get to it a bit later, but the writing law tutors, the founding of it was almost a full circle moment for you. And that's and that's lovely.
1: Oh, Lovely, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it, you know, it looks pretty when it's all said and done, but it's not pretty getting there some days. So you know,
0: it's all about the journey. I heard I, someone said that I, I quote a lot in this podcast, but I can never right. attribute it to anyone. Never, I just hear things and then I say it. So let's talk about the first year of law school, all the way back in 1993. People always say, you know, I've said it's traumatic. People are like, no, it's not. Other people have said other things. But how was that experience for you?
1: For me, it was like going off somewhere. It reminded me a little bit of when I had studied abroad in college where you go you're sort of away and you're with this group of people and your universe is just so small. I mean you every you're what happens in law school is your world and you just don't really have it's very hard to have bandwidth for something outside of law school so you kind of just go into this bubble and it's very intense in the fall. It's hard and people are really strung out and overworked and overtired and people tend not to be at their best when they're like that and all and you also compete against each other on this curve so it's it's very intense but in the same way that going abroad is and it can be oh my god you know i mean i mean i was in japan it was crazy so it's very it's like you make such good friends and you just bond and it's this time in your life where it's just a really special time because I think your brain you really have to change the way you look at everything and so that process of having that done to your brain is very uncomfortable but then once at least for me I had my sort of light bulb moment and it would just it was so wonderful so the, i i loved law school i mean i love and first year was probably the best year but it was intense at the beginning i won't kid you <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I first of all I want to say wonderful you went to Japan. I want to go to Japan one day. I always I watched the uh I watch me and my me and my brother, we had we got a brand new TV in, in my living room uh a, a year ago. And we watched like the 4K videos of like people walking through Tokyo. It looks amazing. And I want to go there one day myself. All um,
1: right.
0: Well there we go. Put add it on my bucket list. Um but can you can you describe the sort of ways that that you sort of, I guess, adjusted y- your brain as well as the life around you, um, sort of dealing with the the bandwidth, like you said, uh, of law school, the stress and and all that comes with it.
1: Yes, in retrospect, I am I can analyze this, but at the time it was not purposeful or planned, but. And it's I gotta back up a little. I had been in a very bad car accident a year before law school that had I had a, you know, I was in the hospital for a week, broke full broken leg, and it was a big deal. And because of that, it was a really hard year. And it, you know, it was winter and cold in Boston and icy and I had a cast and I was trying to work. It was just very and I was in pain and it and I couldn't go running anymore and i was a runner so i got really blue and i got overweight the whole thing was bad so that spring i sort of was like okay i gotta take charge of my world and my life and i really adopted this very militant um Life in terms of exercising and eating and being getting sleep and being just living very the way that people say that you should do this, that we no, don't do. But I really got into that for no having nothing to do with law school, it was for my own personal life and sort of recovering and feeling strong again after the accident. And I think, in retrospect, because I went into it with a structure and I was so disciplined about my meals and exercising and going to bed on time. And I kept that throughout first year of law school. And I really think that made the difference.
0: Yeah, that that's that's a that's an honorable story right there. Honestly amazing, inspiring story. Um and and I think what you touched on there, the sort of disciplines that is very important when you get into law school, having that structure in your life. I know for myself, Um, I was just at the gym. I love the gym so much, but I only started going my senior year of high school, and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Um, You know, it it struck me.
1: It's tough, though, because you can get in cycles, and then you get injured, so then you can't work out. I mean, it's it's a constant sort of having to, but yes, I, I mean, everyone will agree with you. People who exercise just feel, you feel so empowered. You're on top of the world.
0: Yeah, I I I and and I've had and, and while I, I didn't break my leg last year, um, um, a bit like yourself. I hurt my back a little bit and I, I was off from the gym for three months and it was it was a tough time.
1: Um tough time. and your and your whole mood is bad because you're not getting the endorphins and but your body misses them. So you're almost in withdrawal from the endorphins. It's a very hard, it's a hard sort of psychological time.
0: It it absolutely is, but when you get through it you feel great you feel amazing it yes. is so relieving
1: it is it is and the older you get you realize okay we're going to rise up again but you know you, these things happen all throughout your life and you just for different reasons
0: it's it's a beautiful up, uphill battle but you just you just uh, and see i'm a philosophy major so sometimes i get a little i get a little philosophical sometimes i can't i can't keep it i can't keep it all all in within me but Albert Camus, he has the myth of Sisyphus. You keep, you keep pushing that rock up the hill. It keeps coming back down, but you just gotta keep doing it. You gotta make it enjoyable. Um that, that's how is I got
1: the point of that story. You need to enjoy pushing up the rock. I never
0: knew what the point of that story was. Uh, that that's what I got out of that. I don't know what Camus was trying to say, but that's That what is
1: I... fascinating. No, I think that's fascinating. There's a there's um, a book, it's very short. It's it's sort of a picture book called Stations which is the same principle about it's all these people on a train and they're all so excited to get to the next station and then it's sort of, okay, and then they get excited, okay, for the next station. But then by the time you're at your destination, your life's over. And if you don't enjoy the ride, I mean, you only get one of them. You might as well.
0: Absolutely. Always, always got to put your best front fo- best foot forward, give your 110%.
1: Well, I think I do not believe that I had this attitude when I was your age. I think this is something that has been recent for me. So, so I love it that you are, you know, buying what I'm spewing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I you know, I, every everything that has to do with sort of giving your all and, and putting it all out there at any moment in time and anything you do is very, very important to me because I feel like if I don't, it's sort of a waste of time for me. It's like when you know, if I'm not if I'm not doing it, everything i can then i shouldn't do it at all but after law school you get to i'm gonna try it pro i can't say pros,
1: it. P, pro, think of Prosser on torts that's a name you'll learn pros like pros cower pros what words with pros i don't know
0: pro, i think of process server which i am myself
1: that's good think of process pro yeah pro Pross.
0: pros cower. pros Pros Coward. There you go. I'm getting a little linguistic lesson here. Pros Coward Rose. I'm going to keep saying that in my head now. Perfect. Pros Coward Rose LLP. You start there in 1996. Can you describe your experience there? Was it great? Was it not great?
1: I, I adored Pros Coward. That was home for me. I loved it. But I have, to, I have another sort of embarrassing confession. I'm a little biased because on day two of orientation, when I was a first-year associate in September, I, I remember I went September 16th, I believe, was the day we started. And on the second day, I met Matt Haberstick. And now I am Amanda Haberstick, and I've been ever since. So I was very happy at that time in my life.
0: Well, that that's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, he,
1: he was a first year as well, so we were both just starting out. So it was sort of nice. Yes.
0: Look at that star-crossed lovers, as they say. It was it was meant to be, wasn't it? Right.
1: Um, uh, yeah, I don't know, but but at any rate, it's a really really great firm in terms of the people. Um, I mean, I don't know today as much, but a lot of the same people are still there, and. I I just felt like it was home, and I it was a really good experience. I mean, sure, you work a lot and it's stressful, but I it's a good place.
0: So, backing up a little bit, um, what, what did what exactly was the kind of law you were doing there? And additionally, why did you decide to do that kind of law? What went into you know deciding this is what I want to do?
1: When I was a paralegal at a big law firm in Boston for two years between college and law school, I did I was in the corporate law department. I absolutely hated corporate law and thought I could never be a corporate lawyer. The lawyers were miserable and they worked um, from nine till midnight, seven days a week, practically. And, and it was awful. And they all complained to me cause I was just this little paralegal and they would bitch to me. Sorry about it. And um, so then there is a department at that firm that did labor and employment law, which I had never heard of and didn't know what it was. And I started they always look so happy. I was like, why is that the lawyers in that department so happy? Now, really, I don't think it had anything to do with labor employment law. I just thought it was because I think in retrospect, that department at the firm was a service department, the clients would come in for corporate, but then if they ever had a labor employment problem, they would also use the same firm. But um but at the time, I didn't know that because I was twenty three or whatever or twenty two and so I decided, hmm, maybe I want to be an employment lawyer because they seem so happy, so my decisions were based on things that in really were not valid, but I'm so glad that happened because I was able to know going into law school that I thought I wanted to be labor employment lawyer and that really set me apart because most law students have no clue what they want to do, which is perfectly fine. But if you do, lawyers will get more excited. Lawyers who do what you want to do will be much more excited about helping you because they feel like you're you swimming in common. And so that really helped me. But, um, I did an internship during law school, um, labor uh, at the Massachusetts Commission Against Discrimination. And I took throughout law school, I took labor and employment and ended up being the executive editor of our law review. And then and also of the supplement that we did on labor employment. So uh, and I had practiced at a Boston firm in the summer. during law school and done labor employment, all those things confirmed for me that I loved it and wanted to do it because, and that's a separate, you can ask me why, but so that is how I got into it. And that is what I did at Proskauer.
0: So why did you love it? I'm going to ask you.
1: Because in part, because the lawyers looked happy at that firm, but then once I got into it, it's about people as opposed to companies and money. And it's about the workplace and human beings interacting with each other. There are so many issues that parallel constitutional issues in terms of rights of different demographic groups. And it was a very hot area at the time because the Americans with Disabilities Act had just been passed in 91. And so there was a lot of excitement around that the whole industry there was just a lot going on and it was it was a fun it was a very good time for that um, and all those things contributed to it
0: yeah I think that's an important point you made uh, there I, I in in previous episodes I, I've talked about it a lot but you know what what I've seemingly taken away a, a lot more times than less is that as much as you know we think of the legal industry as you know companies and corporations and you know fighting in the in the courtroom uh it, there's such a big human aspect to it uh how much you could actually help people helps people's lives improves people's lives um especially in in sort of my experience working in a in da's office uh they they interact with human beings all the time uh you know in a ton of tragedies uh, you know, winning a case on behalf of someone who was who a victim of something is is important to those people. And, and you take away so much from that. Uh, and, and the sorts of, you know, joy that you feel when you when you achieve those things, when you help people's lives. I think it, it kind of gets- Yeah,
1: but you know what, I got to be honest with you, I don't I mean, I was a corporate, I represented the companies, and the bad guys, as they say, in discrimination land. But I it they weren't bad. They were the HR manager or the the supervisor who's like, I never harassed this person. What are you talking about? Or this never happened. And and then you find out, well, that employee was a terrible performer and was late every day and what and that they made this up, you know. And so, it is sort of helping human beings, but it's not helping poor people. So I'm not going to put myself in that box like a you know people who do government work because they're really the true heroes, but it's more that the issues it was, it's not an issue of, okay, two companies suing each other over a deal. It's, it's about a, it's about a person. And then the decision of, well, were they treated okay in the workplace by another person? Uh,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. See, you're clarifying it for me even further. And I love it so much. I'm, le- I'm learning so much here. Now I'm going to say it again. Frost, Frost Did They say it right. Yeah. Right. Proscower, yeah. I just to say
1: put, it. The, put the emphasis on the pros. Proscower. The cower is kind of after, you know.
0: Proscower Rose. Uh did you did you work in Manhattan when you were there?
1: Yes, I lived and worked in
0: Manhattan. Oh, how was that? I have to ask. I love I love the big city experience. I was in the city the over over winter break, and I just love New York City so much. I love the big buildings. I have to ask, what was it like going to work every day? With, with your with your suit on and your, and your briefcase, how, how was that?
1: Well, I didn't carry a briefcase. I probably carried a tote bag <laughs> over my shoulder. And I really didn't carry work home because when you live 10 minutes away from work, there's no real point to bring work home. At the time, we didn't have remote access, you understand. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't do work at home on the computer. You could bring something to read. But it wasn't as much of a work at home thing at the time at all. So you really worked in the office. I didn't, I, we had, I mean, I guess there were people who had briefcases. Sure. I didn't happen to, but it was, it was just the norm. My father had done it. I had watched it be done. It was a very formal society at the time. Everyone was in suits. It was, that was just the norm. I felt like a big girl. I was in the city going to work. It was cool. It was not, it was not bad
0: that that's what I wanted to hear that it was really really cool because you know one day I want I want to be like that I like looking around it's like wow I got this in my hands you know
1: it was like it was really it was really neat I loved it it was like sort of okay I'm gonna dress up and go to this thing and this is like an adult thing and it was so for me that wasn't you know that wasn't and that was a non-issue really
0: so after your time at Proscauer bros They it. Just again.
1: don't don't you got the first part right but don't put just don't even really pronounce yet. Just be like Proscauer. Pros like put it's not <laughs> Proscauer. It's just <laughs> Proscauer.
0: Proscauer. You're going to
1: no you're putting the emphasis on like you're putting you're saying Proscauer. I just want you to say Proscauer. Like Proscauer. there's no emphasis on the uh, at the end at all. I think that you're going to end up working there. I think we're fading it. <laughs> I have to tell you because I didn't finish my story. Well, we can finish the story. There's a, a more story about Proskauer too. Um, but I'll let you ask
0: me. No, do <laughs> tell. Do tell now. You you've opened the so, pen.
1: So yeah, well my my daughter is a second year law student and she is going to go work there for the summer and may end up there. So that's really fun because my husband and I were both working there when when we had her. I mean, it was it's just a lovely full circle thing. So for me. You know, I hope it's a great place because I'm trusting them (laughs) with my (laughs) child. Sort of.
0: So after your time there, you moved on to as a senior associate at Morgan Lewis and Bacchus.
1: They're perfect. You got that one spot on.
0: I do. I do this a lot in the episodes. I'll. I'll I'll try to. I'll try to say all the names of these law firms, and I'll see if I get. I get very excited when I get it right. Um, but So,
1: yeah. So the, the thing is, is that I was I we moved to Pennsylvania when I was after I had my daughter and I telecommuted starting in 2000. And this was back from Pennsylvania to Proskauer. So they let me work at home, which was unheard of at the time. And then ultimately it just became too much. So I went to Morgan Lewis in Philadelphia because then it was so much closer. And I just thought, I can't do this working from home thing. You know, it's too long. It's too far away.
0: So how was your time there? What was the experience like? Did you love it? Did you hate it?
1: The first year was really hard. It's very hard to be a lateral associate changing firms, or at least I found it just because you're starting all over again it's almost like you know how in high school if you were an A student then you could kind of mess up a paper the teacher would still give you an A where (laughs) it's like or you could just miss class and you're not going to get in trouble because you built up so much goodwill so it's like starting all over again I was a sixth year but I was sort of treated like the new first you know I mean it was just you have to put in your time and feel comfortable after the first year I adored it it's very different culture and I but I really thrived there I loved it you know I really did I think it's just the firms are very it was a lot of adjustment culturally and just the whole the whole way it was at the firm
0: so so after that point you then became the senior counsel of the Hershey company Mm -hmm. is that the actual is chocolate like the Hershey chocolate company oh
1: yeah I worked in Hershey, Pennsylvania, at the chocolate place. And my little girls thought they told their friends that mommy makes chocolate, but I was a lawyer there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and how was that experience? I've been to a Hershey park before. I had a great time, don't worry. Um, but how was that? I, it was
1: great. I really I mean I it was a great experience. I did not like working in Hershey. I I in I was a New York City girl and I was sort of a fish out of water that way. But I loved and I, I loved the I loved my boss. I loved my colleagues. I mean, it was a very positive experience, but I didn't like the location. And I also missed the cerebral challenges and the writing aspect of being a law firm lawyer. And I missed doing the depositions, not just being the client watching them. I wanted to do them and and be doing the the cases. So I that's why I decided to leave and go back to Praskauer.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, that's why I was because I had special employment law counsel. Now, but I, I went did. back
1: to. So what? Oh. What I did is I decided I wanted to go back to a law firm, and in choosing, well, should I go back to Morgan or Proskauer? Or I could. I if I was ever going to bring Hershey as a client, I could do that at Proskauer potentially, but I couldn't at Morgan at the time because they had a conflict. But now I think Morgan does their work, so I don't know. But at the time, and also Proskauer just, it always felt like home. It's sort of where I started. I just felt, I just was like, oh, you know, I could just see that being like that making sense. Also, because I had worked remotely for them before, I thought it would be more likely that that would work there. And so that's that story.
0: So I, and wait, just going back to the Hershey company, I have to ask, did you get any special benefits and incentives there? Sort of, you can come to Hershey park whenever.
1: (laughs) Um, we got a discount at Hershey park. Certainly we did. And, um, there was this company store. I mean, there was a store in our office building that was Hershey. I mean, there was Hershey chocolate everywhere. And, I got to go on a tour of the Reese's peanut butter factory and eat a Reese's peanut butter cup coming off the line, oh, which is
0: an goodness. experience.
1: It, peanut butter tastes very different after it's congealed for two weeks even. So that was cool. And, you know, it was just, yeah, the, the, the plant is closed now. The, um, peppermint patty plant in redding pennsylvania but that we had a case against uh, her i mean a case was brought against hershey some employee of that plant and i got to go see all that and that those things were really cool um so that was definitely neat
0: yeah i just had to ask that question i have have a bit of a sweet tooth i don't think i could ever work at the hershey company yeah i'm eating so
1: disciplined about the chocolate you
0: do i would be eating so much chocolate an unbelievable amount an unbelievable amount really uh i i have to ask though with with all these positions and and all this moving around and, and you know working these long hours how, how did you sort of balance uh you know having your children at home and, and having all this work what was that sort of balance like
1: it's really it's it's not a balance in terms of calm it's you've got intense stress about being a lawyer one way. And then you've got this intense stress of like the physically demanding job of taking care of small children who can't do anything for themselves. So you're constantly physically picking them up, doing, they were so different that it was almost as if the two extremes canceled each other out. It's a very unhealthy way to go about life because (laughs) of course you burn in the middle. I mean, it doesn't, but burning a candle at both ends because you just do both to the extreme, and you're not. By the time you're like with your kids, you're psyched because you've been working all day, and then by the time you go back to work, you're psyched because you're sick of your kids, right? So it really works out. And for me, it worked out, but I I think over time it took its tolls, and I would never call it balance. I mean, it was just it, sort of a crazy a crazy dynamic with you know a lot of adrenaline, I guess.
0: And 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 that that's an interesting thing you brought up. I th- I think it was a very good point. The sort of the two extremes canceling themselves out. That's a very interesting way to look at it.
1: It's like that. Well, that was sort of the justification. But at the end of the day, well, then what about me in time? You know, I mean, so I think it was unhealthy. But I've got some you know baggage from all my days of doing this. So, but but yeah, I mean, I think that it being in a big law firm especially if you do litigation for me because there's it's so deadline driven and there's all you know it's sort of like sport kind of a little bit um, and deals probably are too. I just don't know as much about them, but certainly if, if a deal's going down, you could be working around the clock. There is an adrenaline. You have a feeling that you are doing something very important that has to be done. And that's, that makes you feel needed and very fulfilled. And you, you do get adrenaline and you do extraordinary things because you have to, and it's kind of a high, if that makes
0: sense. Absolutely. No, that, that makes, that makes perfect. I mean, I don't have any children. <laughs> so I I can't exactly um you know feel the But the, the, the work
1: part the work part was, you know, adrenaline. You get you just sort of you get you get through it. I I kept up my exercise which was really important. Um and I mean it but I worked too hard and I was not good to my body. I mean, you just it's tough, you know. So I think I think that um it it is really hard but anyway
0: So after your time at Proskauer, you went to Reed Smith for three years and then you stopped. So I have to ask first, how was Reed Smith as of counsel to them? And then what went into the decision to stop in 2016? Um,
1: It was not a good fit for me. It was it was the wrong place, the wrong department, the wrong whatever. It was not a good fit. And I did not make well, I had made a decision that I was leaving. um, But I had not found another job or decided what I was going to do. So I had not told them yet that I was leaving, I was planning to within six months, but I had not pulled the trigger yet. And then they had a big layoff. And I was one of the first people laid off, which I get because I was so phoning that job in. I mean, I just was I was not it was not the right fit for me. And I was miserable. So I think that, um, and then, you know, six months later, the department, I got mean, 15 other people left. And so it, it was, it was just, it was a tough time at the firm. Um, so, so I didn't really make a decision. It was more just, I think that I was really burnt out by then. And because I wasn't having a good fit at the firm, I wasn't happy. So it wasn't, uh, that's probably.
0: So those, you took a good, a good solid six years off. You became a I took
1: four, Well, I don't know. I stopped in twenty sixteen. Yeah, I mean five years. I guess I started. I started tutoring in January twenty one. Is that mm-hmm. five years or six years? I think it's five, but my math could be wrong.
0: But I believe that's. I'm not good with numbers. It's
1: the gaping hole in my resume. You gotta be. People are sensitive about how many years they were out of out. So you gotta make sure. Err on the side of less. No, I mean, it, it's kind of funny in retrospect, but I should do a post about, but the gap in my resume, that would probably be a good post. I just got, I got to figure out how to write about it.
0: I mean, yeah, I'll be the first one to like and comment on that. And I'll be like, I know, I know about this. We talked about this on the podcast. Uh, you became a career consultant at UPenn Law School. Uh, that's an interesting position. Um, so can you talk-
1: I, Yeah. And it was, it was a very periodic you know, occasional, like I was, I just did some work for them. I was not, (laughs) um, I mean, I was on their, their staff for a year, but I wasn't, I didn't go in there and I, I just did some projects for them. And that was just sort of as a nice, I mean, it was sort of nice that I, but that they involved me almost because it was, it's not something long-term that one would do for, but it's something that helped me learn all about, a lot of career things that were going on now and and just so that was very helpful
0: for me absolutely and we go to the full circle moment you found writing law tutors llc can you talk about the process of founding that specific company what went into it why you decided to do it um
1: because in January in December 2020 you have to remember we were in the throes of the pandemic I had just moved at the time I decided okay I if I got to go back to work I'm gonna get my master's now you know 30 years later or whatever and go back and be a teacher and I started studying for tests and learning history and blah 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 and i just hated it so i decided i really didn't want to do that but i had yet to figure out what i was going to do and i just out of the blue family friend friend of a friend type thing i knew of a 1l who was struggling in writing and would i ever tutor her and it was kind of like I had no idea there was such a thing as a law school tutor. I was a law school tutor. We didn't have those back when I was going to law school. And, but I just started working with her sort of informally and, you know, she paid me some amount, but it was, it was, you know, just a small amount. And it was, it was just the most extraordinary experience. And I just loved it so much that I started, got myself listed on a tutoring site and started tutoring law students. I was tutoring them at everything though, which was probably not um, advisable because I'm certainly not a subject matter in things like evidence or whatever, you know, that I haven't done in however long, but I think that it, I got trained and I founded a company as really for a tax reasons. Um, it's just an LLC. It's just me, but Um, I wanted some structure and it's just for business and, you know, financial reasons. It's right to do.
0: Absolutely. That's an interesting point you bring up that it was really just for financial reasons. Um, Because I I think, you know, as much as we see these things from the outside, uh, from the actual uh, inside of why they're happening uh, is very important just as well, because they could inspire others to, you know, take the step and, and do those kinds of things. Um, even if it's even even just like you said when uh when you're at cross cower and you met your wonderful husband uh you know the rationale of going to law school just to find a husband um you know just those little things those little decisions they they mean a lot uh to you probably personally from the outside you know people may have a, a different view but i enjoy the story i love it so much i think it's a wonderful thing uh and i'm always for people putting themselves out there uh but I I always see you very active on LinkedIn. What sorts of, uh, what sorts of content are you putting out there?
1: Um, Well, it's evolved. I started at the very beginning in September of 2021 was the first time I ever posted. And I just started writing tips for one else. And because that those were the group of people that I was tutoring most. And so I felt and I had learned the most about and um, it's educational content and then about and then I, in January of the next year what are we into 2022 I started I started dear 1l and that really took off and I write to I write to 1ls in the, when I write letters to them and I it's just it's a very nurturing, type of dealing with the stresses of law school and dealing with just different things that you deal with but also a lot of academic things how to do the exams and how to write and then but legal writing just that was always my thing at work that was I was always the brief writer and everyone wanted me to write the briefs um and I like doing it um it took me too long to do which they didn't like but they, they they liked that I did it and so I, I just, I started a year later with Dear Legal Writer. So I've got, I've got two series. One is on how to write and how to do legal writing. And then one is for, for law students. Occasionally I still, I'll write to 3L sometimes and different, different groups, but um, so that it just took, I mean, this, I don't really, I don't understand the whole LinkedIn thing. It's been great. I am I'm trying to figure out what it just, because it's exploded. It's been really neat, but.
0: Yeah. That, that That's fascinating, honestly, because you have a very large following. um, And, and the fact that, you know, you, you, you still don't really know, you know, the ins and outs of it all neither do I, I'm still pretty much figuring out. Yeah.
1: I mean, things. I understand, I understand LinkedIn, but I don't know what, what the, I just, I don't, I mean, it's been extraordinary for my personal life. I think what I've, and I'm in my business, I'm trying to figure out what I am doing and where I am going and how to leverage it maybe better. And um, but so if that is all a process still figuring it out, but I've met the most extraordinary people and, and had doors open for me. I mean, it's been a, it's just it's it's been wonderful in terms of broadening my world and having all, it's just fascinating people that I talk to and it, all the time. And it's wonderful. So I love it.
0: Uh, absolutely. And and I have to ask from that, uh, are there any uh since starting in 2021, are there any of your favorite experiences that you have, either reaching out to people, uh, you know, and, and teaching them, tutoring them? Do you have any favorite moments that you sort of you'll never forget?
1: Favorite moments? Um one of my favorite moments on LinkedIn, you mean, or or in terms of tutoring, or I guess I can answer anyway, would I would say yeah, too. Many. I no. I would have to prepare for that. I can't pick
0: one. <laughs> no, that that's that's no worry. That's no worry. Um, is it is it a is it a newsletter? Or are you actually specifically uh like messaging people based on you know the sort of experiences they're uh you know talking about and how they want help.
1: I am in the process of starting a newsletter, but I hate newsletters. So that is my problem because I have built up a visceral negativity toward this thing that I now, my business coach tells me I must do because the fact that I do not have an email list is absurd given that I'm coming out with a book. So, and also if I ever want to, yes, I'm writing a book. Well, I'm putting, I put all my posts in a book all organized so that it is chronological and it can be a really good reference tool for the legal writing courses in law school and there that does not exist right now as far as I'm concerned I've probably read a hundred books on law school and legal and probably another 200 on legal writing but there it so I and but it's just my post it's not writing a whole book with it's just my post but they're organized very very um it's going to be useful, I think.
0: Well, that is fantastic. You were, you were, when the book comes out, you'll be the third person on this podcast with a book released. I actually messed it up a couple episodes. I, I, I told Brad Narstad, who was, who was on the podcast, I said he was the only one. I was wrong. Uh, Dan Cotter also came out with the book, so you'll oh, be. I, see, I know Dan Cotter. That's
1: wonderful. Yeah, I think that. I I think out of the pandemic came a lot of people doing different interesting things. And I think that one of the things that one might do is write a book. And so people who've said they've always wanted to have maybe done it. I am not someone that always said I wanted to write a book and I'm not, I didn't sit down and start writing a book. I had zero intention to write a book when I started this, I just started posting.
0: Well, that's, that's wonderful. Honestly, that the, The, the fact that you never even planned on it and now it's really happening, you know, life life throws curveballs balls at you some, sometimes, you know, you got, you got to make lemonade out of lemons. Um, but I have to ask from that, do you have any of your uh, favorite books that you've ever read? It doesn't have to be about law or anything, uh, but just, just something, Amanda Haverstick's book recommendations live on the Lawyers in the Making podcast. Do you have any favorites?
1: i'm going to disappoint you a little bit because i hate reading (laughs) so i do not read for pleasure i could tell you that i probably have read 10 books cover to cover for pleasure um and so i could tell you what those books are but that is not a good recommendation i did um, I really liked a book by Cal Newport called Deep Work, which I listened to the audio book of the entirety and I thought it was extraordinary, but I did not physically read the pages, um, but that, that book, I really was, was very interesting, it was a good book, it's a, it's a non-fiction book.
0: That's that's super interesting, because just last just two episodes ago, Ernie Svensson had actually recommended Cal Newport as well. He he brought it to my attention prior to the episode. We had a little phone call, uh, but he he brought it to my attention. His podcast, uh, which is I believe it's also called Deep Work. I'm not really sure.
1: Oh, I you know, I'm not sure. I don't know who that is that you're talking
0: about. Sorry. Um. Oh, no, it's the Cal Newport, his podcast. His, oh, the... Cal Newport's podcast. Yes, yes. Okay.
1: Oh, that's good. I didn't know he had a podcast. That's neat.
0: Yeah, so so it's interesting. His name came up again. Clearly, it's a very good book and a very important podcast. And he's doing good things. I've I've heard the word deep work a lot before. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I listen. Yeah, it's
1: it's a good book. It's a it's way too masculine dominated in terms of people they talk about, and it's written it's written for men because it 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 doesn't take into account child rearing and doing things that are purposely unproductive mm-hmm. from which we get incredible value in life that is a big part of my world but it is extraordinary for the working part and the thinking and it, yeah you'll like it I,
0: I i will i will be getting it soon don't worry about that <laughs> i i take the, i take the book recommendations very very serious um, and I always, I always look to get the book the next, the, the, the first possible day I possibly can. Uh, so here we go. This is, I always, I keep saying it's a new question. It's not. It's here to stay. But what are the sorts of things that you consume, not food, but consume either, you know, on social media or what you read every day? What are the sorts of things that are crossing the transom of your mind on a daily basis? Um, I
1: have, I, even though I don't read for pleasure, I have an extraordinary collection of books. And so depending on what I am doing or what I decide I am writing about that day, I will always be using them for, for, you know, to find things that I know are in there. I just, and that I don't remember what they said. Um, and I do spend a lot of time on LinkedIn and that is, so I do read a lot of posts. And so depending on I just different people's stories that I like to read about solopreneurs. I like to follow Justin Welch on LinkedIn. I read his newsletter um, and I like to get ideas from people and what other people are doing because I'm trying to, run a business and learn how to I mean, I don't know how to run a business. I was a lawyer. So I'm 54. And I I never run a business. So, so I'm trying to learn. So that is that's probably the most of the stuff that is incoming when I'm not working during the day.
0: Yeah, that that's been a very big constant theme over the past couple episodes. Is sort of the business aspect of of the legal industry and the legal field, and how you know, just just like yourself, many people, you know, you you go through your career and you have no, I have no idea how to run a business. And
1: worse, why would you? And but it's it's one thing if you're figuring it out when you're thirty, but if you're figuring it out twenty five years later, it's harder. And and so I think just because you haven't you didn't look you know how when you learn something young and then it sticks with you
0: absolutely uh now second to last question here you're always working you're tutoring people you got a family but what would an ideal sunday morning or friday night look for amanda to have all my girls home and
1: have a family dinner and play scrabble and games in front of the fire
0: Oh, Scrabble. Do you have any other board game recommendations? I'm a big board game guy.
1: Acquire.
0: Oh, Acquire. What is that game about?
1: It is about hotel chains merging and acquiring others and it's a business with stock and it's an old one and it it it's an old game that is unknown and I got an old 1970s version of it because it's it's just what I played with as a child with my father and I love it it's fun you you'll like it it's a little it's a cross between monopoly and risk but it's harder and it's 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 a good game
0: yeah, I, I enjoy the games that gets my mind going and, and sort of being able to look at things a sort of different way. I like I like a good challenge. I, I need that in my life. But,
1: Scrabble is fun for me with all the words and the, the language and, and that.
0: Yeah, I've, I've never played Scrabble actually. I'd, I'd like to get into it though. I need to expand. It, my it's very
1: easy to learn and it is fun. It is fun.
0: Yeah, the, the only issue is I got to find people to play it with me. Um, but they're out there. I know they're out there. I'm going to find you, whoever, that, whoever those people may be. But Amanda, final question here. I do this at the end of every episode. What are your words of wisdom for the aspiring law students, the current law students, and the legal professionals out there in the world?
1: I'm just going to stick with your theme and say put yourself out there and root for yourself and go do your thing because you got to do it. You've got one life.
0: Beautifully said. Beautifully, beautifully said. Well, that's the podcast. Amanda, thank you so, so much for doing this. You're very welcome. And for everyone out there listening, thank you for tuning in. And I will see you in the next one.